0: Welcome to TALC, teaching and learning consultation skills. This is the TALC Talks podcast, helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills, to get better outcomes, and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction. This podcast concerns the module of TALC called Skills for Effective Explanations and Planning of Personalised Care. And it's about the chapter called What Do You Do When You Don't Know What To Do? Skills for Talking About Uncertainty. Now, if we compare a consultation to a three-act play, then the first two acts of the consultation are concerned with building an effective clinician-patient relationship and applying appropriate clinical reasoning to all the information that has been gathered. In other words, the clinician must be able to apply clinical knowledge in the specific context of a very nuanced understanding of the particular individual that's concerned. Successful explanation and planning in any third act of the consultation depends on the first two parts being successful. If explanations involve discussions of uncertainty, it is even more important that the first parts of the consultation have involved skillful listening and skillful exploration of the patient's own perspective on things. Of course, uncertainty can arise in a variety of clinical situations, and clinicians sometimes merge many different types of uncertainty together, and they may even view all uncertainty as a deficit in themselves as clinicians but we have to think about uncertainty in a more complex way. Not all uncertainty in clinical practice is to do with the clinician's knowledge or skills. There are inherent uncertainties in clinical practice, which include uncertainty about the precise prognosis of any disease or illness, the uncertainty about the degree to which any disease will respond to treatment, and the uncertainty about when a disease state has truly arisen. If a patient has non-specific symptoms of tiredness and feeling a bit rough, will these get better with no treatment? Or are those symptoms the first signs of pneumonia or perhaps the first signs of depression? The beginnings of an illness can usually only be identified retrospectively, especially in primary care, where patients often present with early and undifferentiated illnesses. These kinds of uncertainties are inevitable and pervasive in medicine, But in a sense, they need not concern us too much because they don't give rise to that important question which does arise when clinicians are uncertain and they find themselves wondering, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Many of these kinds of circumstances require specific skills from the clinician. Clinical uncertainty can arise if the diagnosis is not clear cut and sometimes even if the right diagnostic process is uncertain, even if the diagnosis is clear and there's a, a management plan that seems sensible the patient may not agree they may not accept or they may not carry out the plan sometimes if you need further diagnostic information that means working with the huge variety of support services that provide the diagnostic network clinicians can find it difficult to negotiate this network effectively at times and there are special skills that will help finally even when the diagnosis and management are known, difficulties in teamwork can give rise to many uncertainties about how best to implement a plan. Now, these issues are discussed in detail in a book that I've written with Alison Lee and Geraldine Murphy called What You Do When You Won't, Don't Know What To Do? Mapping Uncertainty in Medicine. And this means that uncertainties in clinical practice can often be worked through by applying appropriate skills. This could include effective diagnostic strategies, good networking or teamworking skills. In this chapter though, the focus is on the specific skills that you need in consultations. These are the skills needed to explain and discuss uncertainties with patients. Clinicians often find talking about uncertainty rather difficult. They report that patients are not satisfied with expressions of uncertainty and, as clinicians, they feel uncomfortable themselves when they express uncertainties. Sometimes this anxiety and discomfort is relieved by very dysfunctional behaviours, such as ordering a lot more tests or deferring difficult discussions to some other occasions. Sometimes clinicians lack the skills to talk about functional disorders or lack the skills to manage non-specific illness or to encourage rehabilitation and enhance recovery. However, it's important to know that clinicians do not always have to be certain. Indeed, many senior practitioners will say they experience just as much uncertainty late in their careers as they did at the beginning. Therefore, skills for talking about uncertainty are likely to be useful at all stages of a clinician's career. It is true that some patients will accept uncertainty expressed by senior practitioners more, regularly, more readily than they do from someone they perceived as inexperienced, because if they think somebody's inexperienced or, or they simply don't know, there'll be a kind of unspoken message along the lines of, well find me a clinician who does know what to do, and that's the kind of unspoken response that clinicians fear. However, There are effective and helpful ways to express uncertainty and these can be linked to several of the Calgary Cambridge skill sets. Having appropriate phrases and approaches to discuss uncertainty with patients can further help to build the clinician-patient relationship and help clinicians to share their thinking with more confidence. So let's think about some of the helpful phrases for talking about uncertainty. Sometimes it's helpful to use the skill of being able to think out loud, sharing the clinical reasoning process with the patient. Now clearly your clinical reasoning must be good enough in the first place and as clinicians we have the responsibility to ensure that. My focus here is on the consultation skills needed to explore uncertainty that arises even in the context of sound clinical reasoning. Senior practitioners can sometimes get away with simply saying, I don't know, but less experienced practitioners may then find themselves in a difficult spiral. If they start by saying, I don't know, this can lead to, I will ask my trainer, or I'd better refer you on to such and such a person. These options may not be available after training. Sometimes those options lead to the patient being referred back from secondary care, no further forwards with their uncertain problem. So what kinds of phrases do help when dealing with uncertainty? Implicit expressions of uncertainty are often better received than an overt, I don't know what the problem is, or I don't know what to do about this problem. Now many clinicians will have their own suitable phrases and it's always worth listening out for what people say to see if you can acquire some phrases for your own toolkit. But here are some to consider. Sharing your thinking means saying something like this. Well, this could be one of these two or three possible diagnoses, then explaining the thinking that led up to that conclusion. A clinician could also say, well, there are several possibilities here. Again, followed up by, let me talk you through my thinking now. Sometimes we get uncertain because the clinical reasoning doesn't quite fit together or doesn't quite make sense and it can be helpful to say something like, things are not quite fitting together because... And then it's often easy to follow up with my favourite, which I know as Otto Otto, or perhaps that should be Otto Otto, and that stands for on the one hand and on the other hand. So things are not quite fitting together because on the one hand there are symptoms that might mean this, and on the other hand... There are these physical findings that might mean something else. Another way of expressing uncertainty, particularly using probability, is to say something like We're both hoping that these basic tests will be normal. So while we wait for them to come back, it'll be fine to start improving your pain and your symptoms straight away by trying some sensible manoeuvre. There's many ways of using expressing probability to express uncertainty, which can be helpful and more helpful than simply shrugging your shoulders and saying, I don't know. So phrases, for example, the most likely thing is or the most likely outcome is that things will improve with time or what usually happens is that these symptoms settle over time. These kinds of phrases can be really helpful when there's a little bit of uncertainty about exactly what's happening. When the clinical situation is unclear, it can be very helpful to relate explanations to the patient's own specific concerns and fears, which may be more important than a specific diagnosis. So here's an example. You mentioned being concerned about herpes earlier on in our conversation. Now that I've examined you, this rash is definitely not herpes. Now for some patients, that might be enough. Again, you might say something like, You were hoping for a very clear diagnosis and also you were hoping for some relief of the pain, which is a good place to start from. When you take these tablets and do these exercises, we're likely to see improvement over time. Another way of linking back your uncertainty to what the patient has mentioned already is to link it to any specific concern. So, for example, you might say something like You mentioned your family history of cancer, that's naturally worrying. Thankfully, your current symptoms are much less likely to be caused by that because, and then you can explain why you think it's not cancer and perhaps, hopefully, what you think it is. If you can name the problem or diagnosis, do name it. The phrases and approaches that I've talked about already here mean that sensible explanations and plans can be made even if there is no clear-cut diagnosis. There's quite a lot more information about this in the talc chapters in the section Advanced Skills for Effective Explanations and Planning Personalised Care where there's a chapter called Empowering Explanations for Functional and Persistent Physical Symptoms. There are more phrases to consider in the written resources that go along with this podcast. Patients' worries about serious disease must be taken seriously and considered carefully. At the same time, it's important that clinicians avoid catching the patient's anxiety when it's not relevant to do so. And there are some interesting references about the expression of physician physician uncertainty and catching anxiety in some of the references. Finally, there can be uncertainties of a more serious nature when the patient is seriously ill or where there's an emergency situation. Or when things are serious but non-specific and of uncertain significance, and one way to help the uncertainty here is to show continuing concern and interest in the outcome for the patient. So, for example, it's very reasonable to say to the patient, "Will you call the practice, or ask somebody in the family to call the practice, and leave a message for me about how you get on? Perhaps at outpatients or A and E." because this shows the patient your ongoing concern and your interest in what happens to them. And for them, this is just as important as whether or not you're certain about the clinical diagnosis. Another way of using this kind of approach is to say something like, things are stable just now, and we've discussed what more concerning signs you might look out for. I will ring you in three days or after the weekend to check how you're getting on. Or you might say something like, I expect things to improve in a few days of this treatment but please leave a message in three days time to say things are are getting better and if they're not getting better I'll ring you back at that point to discuss what else might need to be done. These approaches build a strong clinician patient relationship which will be helpful in negotiating whatever happens next. Explaining uncertainty is also fruitfully combined with the skills of eliciting eliciting the patient's responses and using that to develop the discussion. There's a lot of information about this in some of the other chapters in the TALC Skills for Effective Explanations and Planning of Personalised Care module. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators. Making training available to all.